Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast of Community Bible Church. Serving the Rogue Valley from Central Point, Oregon. We are a multi-generational family. Equipping believers to be adopted in, growing up, and reaching out through the gospel. Are you tired this week? So let's just, we'll lay some ground rules down. All right? If anybody falls asleep next to you, they must have needed it. Okay? My, my worry is, is, honestly, I've watched many of our faces this morning. You have very tired faces. You have, you have worked long hours. You have, you have been responsible for things that aren't the norm. Uh, we are living in a time that's heightened stress. Can we just, we'll just leave it that way. In, in almost every arena of your life. Um, and so, guys, this, is, this really isn't a time for uh, happy, happy songs and just the, the reminder to tell everybody, you know, be happy, you're a Christian. Right now, this is a be faithful, you're a Christian. And, and understand what a, what a time this is. And in fairness, uh, Hebrews 12 will teach both of those great privileges to us today. But understand, the biggest thing I want to encourage you today, before we get into God's Word, which I hope has a, a higher level of encouragement, is, first off, relax. God has this. You have to put your life in His authority right now, even though you're working 60 hours a week. Uh, even though the stress is high and when you turn off TV, you're, you're, you're worried and concerned. Put, put God in world history right now. So put all of those things, uh, the control of, of your almighty God in 2020. Uh, ultimately, it wasn't an accident on his part that you're facing some of the things that you're facing. And so understand that as we begin this morning. And, and, and just relax. Because if you and I can't rest in the care of an all-sufficient Savior, what do you think the world has to offer you? Family, I loved the film Chariots of Fire for its encouragement spiritually. The film is probably 40 years old. If you have no connection to Chariots of Fire, I would encourage you, find a night off between now and Christmas, and instead of getting a Hallmark cheesy film, now I know wives, that's a hard one for you, make your husbands happy and get Chariots of Fire, all right? It's got just enough romantic idealism to make you happy, and it'll really encourage your mate, all right? The rest of you, just, just get it. It's good. But in it, Eric Little will become a missionary to, to China, and he was, his family were missionaries in China. Um, ended up winning the gold medal in the Olympics in 1924. His, his best race was the 100 meter, and, but he would not run on Sunday. And so the qualifying was on Sunday. 
I will not race. And he faced the retribution of his, of his time. Well, needless to say, it's a good movie. Uh, he goes on to win the 400 meter. And uh, to, the, to the praise of his country, Scotland. And he's known as the, the Flying Scot. So I want you to understand, as, as I come into that, he makes a statement in the movie, and I, I want you to hear it. He says, I believe that God made me for a purpose for China. I'm going back to China, in other words. He also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. To give it up would be to hold him in contempt. To win is to honor him. And family, I want to suggest to you that that might be an incredible summary of Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 as, as we look afresh at it today. Yeah, everything that you've been given in life, from, from, the very, from the very purpose that allows you to get up in the morning, in his case to be a missionary in China, to just the gifts of life, he ran fast. He saw them as gifts to be at God's disposal. And as, as we see him playing out that incredible privilege, you have to do so in your own life. So come with me, if you will, back to Hebrews chapter 12, this inspiring, encouraging passage of Scripture. And let's see if we can draw out of it a little more. And today, encouragement, where last week maybe was a greater challenge. Therefore, it says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and it is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now family, let me just quickly look at the first of our two points, just so that we remember what we went to last week. The people who motivated me to walk. Remember, uh, it's, it's every generation from the one previous to yours that in glory all the way back to Abel. He used in, in chapter 11 these that he designed to be in the Hall of Fame as illustrations, but he's now referring to all believers who have served. And family, never forget your, your being encouraged to live out the Christian life, to be faithful. And even when you don't feel like it, stay strong. Stay strong. They served and want you to do the same. We want you to notice, secondly, that the weight that slows me down. And we recognize that there are things in our life, weights. They're good things. They're not sin in and of itself. And they can be used in our lives for complete enjoyment for God's glory. And then there are sins that cling to us. And, and some of it is generic. We all sin. Some of it is specific. We have a, a problem in our life that's individual. That in order for us to, to maximize everything that God would want us to do, we, we, we get rid of, we strive. And we talked a little bit about it last week. We repent. 
and recognize, Lord, I, I don't need this. I don't want this. This doesn't well represent who you are. We remember that we're dead. And we don't want that, that sin in our lives because, in fairness, we're dead to sins because God has made us alive in Christ. We don't need that thing. Even though, because of who we are as humans, there's a draw. We then go on to recognize that you know, we need to lay our lives before God, knowing that He's transformed us. It, it would be just a natural thing for us to give Him our lives. And so Revelate, or Romans 1 and 2, uh, verse of chapter 12, tells us to present our bodies as living sacrifices so that 24 hours, 7 days a week, we are worshiping Him faithfully. And so we find our sustenance in that life change that we're wanting to address. We constantly keep it before the Lord. We pray without ceasing. And so we, we recognize how important that is. And yet, there are weights. And a lot of them are fun stuff. But it's how we use them. Use them mystically on our life, or do we use them for God's honor and glory as a privilege for us? And this is probably where I get in trouble with the church family more than anything else. Because I'll use illustration, and often the illustration will be completely and utterly missed, and they'll walk out and say, well, you're against dot, dot, dot. And understand, ah, I love every privilege that God gives you and me. I want to eat life up as full and completely as it possibly can. But never let anything diminish our daily walk with the Lord. It's a weight. And so now we, we see ourselves, we're coming into new information, if you will, and I want you to see the tenacity that wins a race. So Scripture could say, and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. Now, before we look at the tenacity, the endurance. I want to ask you, uh, as a church family this morning, if I was to ask you, what's the race set before you? Would you know what the Bible's talking about? What's the race set before you? From the time you know Christ to the time you arrive into heaven, that's the race. What, what, what's your part in it? If we're to run a streamlined race... Uh, without additional weight, uh, if we are to run a race so that sin doesn't diminish us to run, what's the race? Um, let me suggest to you an idea, first and foremost. It is you alone running to heaven. It is you alone running to heaven. If you're married, you can encourage your mate to run the race but you cannot take them. If you have children, you can implore them to join you, but you cannot bring them along. If you are single, you can be an imitator of Christ, but you can only point your friends and those who are confidants in your life, you can only point them to heaven and encourage them to accept the gift of grace. But you cannot have them walk along with you. So no matter what relationship that you have, heaven is 
first and foremost, an individual journey. All right? So when you and I think of the race, and when we're teamed together this morning, um, I'm thrilled that we're teamed together, because it makes the race that much easier. But yet, at the same time, it's an individual journey. It, it's, it's something that we're before us. Christ says in the next series of verses that Christ had a joy set before Him. So we have an idea here. What is the, what is the joy set before Him? Well, based on what we'll see here in a moment, obeying and carrying out the Father's will was a joy set before Him. He always wanted to do the Father's will. He always even as a 12-year-old child in the temple said, I'm here to do my Father's will. Bringing glory to the Father was another one of His desires. As the, as the God-man Jesus Christ, being, being accountable to the cross, raised from the dead, ascended into heaven, exalted at the right hand of the Father, is the summary of Hebrews chapter 12. But I want you to understand, never forget that reconciling lost sinners to God was part of that joy that was set before Him. So if, if these are the identifying marks that Jesus had as the race that He was to accomplish that was set before Him, what's yours and mine? I want to suggest to you these five. First off, Submitting to Christ as our Savior. Submitting to Christ as our Savior. Now that should not be a hard one for any one of us to see. God offers e eternity in a twofold vision. He offers us eternal life through grace in the work of Jesus Christ. And then, barring the acceptance of that, we have the second death, an eternity in hell. And He pleads with us to accept the gift of salvation or the gift of God through Jesus Christ. So, it would be a natural. That's His number one. Number two, I want to suggest to you is believing the content and the authority of the Bible as taught in the Old Testament and new. Giving you the foundation to know His truth. Now family, that's one of my great concerns in the church today because I believe more and more of us are failing to know what's in the Bible to give us the equipment on how to live life down here. Uh, we were talking as elders just here today. How many of us put all our reliance in medication for our lives? Not only that, how many of us look down and we reach, uh, let's just say, a certain age? And then that individual has a life-altering moment, a heart attack, a, a cancer. And it, and it fits the moment for them maybe to recognize they're going to glory. And we become unglued that an 80-year-old, an 85-year-old, a 95-year-old, a 101-year-old might get COVID and pass away, might, might have a heart attack and, and, and pass away might have cancer 
and go through a time of crippling poison and to see their body decay. Well, family, it was appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. We should know that from Scripture. And, and not to be cavalier here, but we have a confidence in a God who's in control. Not a confidence in a medical community. Not a confidence in a governmental structure. Not a confidence in, in the ever-structured world. The financial privileges that we might have as American citizens. The authority that we have as, a, as Americans as we see the protection here in our land. Our authority comes from a God who loved us and gave us information in Scripture to help us know how to live. And it's He who said, Grave, where's your victory? It's He who said, Blessed are those who trust in the name of the Lord. And so, it's very important that we recognize the authority of God's Word in our lives. If we're going to accept Christ as our Savior, if you will, there is a package of benefit to be blessed by. And we take them all in. And we are accountable to know them and find refreshment from them. Thirdly, if we know that truth, I would suggest to you obeying the Father's will as an expression of love. I love the Lord so very much for allowing Christ to be my sin-bearer, that I wish to do His will in obedience, and I desire that with my life. So that should be a foundational idea of running our race. Fourthly, loving one another. A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. And so, understand, when we gather in His name, and gather right now, those of you who buy by camera, as well as those of us who have gathered together in Jesus' name today, we are gathering in His name. We love one another. And so in light of that, we're here to honor each other. And let me, let me quickly say that honoring goes to living in 2000, 2020. All the miserable things that we're held accountable to in obedience to our government. Accountable to, to the worries and the concerns. Instead of being caught up in our times, we look across and say, wow, for the sake of my brother, I... Dot, dot, dot. For the sake of my sister, I... Dot, dot, dot. And the overriding thing for us is to love one another because our Savior demanded that of us. And I would suggest, lastly... Because of who we are, we should expect, as a fully redeemed human, being raised from the dead, presented into heaven, honored for our service, and ruling as co-heirs for eternity. Family, I, I want to suggest that this is more valuable than you think, because if this is one of your ideas, that you remember that this is part of the race, that I'm going this way, and when I go that way, I'm going to be raised by my Savior, honored by my Savior, and allowed the privilege of ruling with my Savior. It allows us to focus the race set before us with a little more clarity. All right?
five ideas for you to run individually. These are your five core focus. So everything else in life, the gifts and the blessings given to us as privileges for us to use, are to be used for Him as we run our race. So enjoy them all for His honor and glory. If not, they're weights that must be thrown off. Because this is our race. Run it with endurance. The idea here for endurance is not tough it out. The endurance here is presented with the idea that learn the skill so you find sufficient in success. You know, I'm fascinated by, with jugglers. I'm not disciplined enough to try. All right? But understand, to sit there and watch this man or this woman begin to juggle is amazing to me. And then, if I would learn, it would be something like this. And then you'd grab them again and you'd continue to go. And pretty soon it would go. The endurance is you stay with it until you succeed. Louis Zamperini, we'll talk more about him in a moment, um, went to the same 1936 Olympics that Jesse Owens and Zamperini did not win. He went on, and you and I know him for fame in the book Unbroken, going into World War II and being captured. Louis Zamperini would finish his training at USC each and every day on the track team. He then would climb the fence over the stadium at the Coliseum. And he would begin his own personal training that he called the agony run. And it would be running up this flight of stairs, down that flight of stairs, until he'd covered the entire stadium at the Coliseum. His coach didn't want him to do that. But he said, I can guarantee victory because I'm better trained than any other athlete that I will run against. And his success speaks for itself. So he endured. And so family, once we know our purpose, once we, we know what we're running here, we then recognize we have to be tenacious to do it. We've been privileged to run by the Lord. Family, I then want you to notice the winner that inspires to keep running. It says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And what I want to remind you here in this moment of the text, ultimately, it's Christ and Christ alone that you need to focus on. Alright? How many of you look up, and you might look to the Old Testament, uh, chapter 11 of Hebrews, and you might pick out someone, Moses, and go, wow, I'll never be what Moses was. He led the six million Jews from here to there to the promised land. Uh, he uniquely was used by God, stood in God's presence while I never could do that. Well, that was never your assignment. 
How many of us might look at one of the great heroes of the past faith? Oh, I'll never. I'll never have the faith in the prayer of Mueller. George Mueller was just pray. Who could pray for breakfast and there's no food there and know that there would be a knock at the door and all of my needs would be met from the knock of the door? Oh, I'll never be a George Mueller. You were never designed to be a George Mueller. You were never designed to be that godly grandma that you look up to. You never were designed to be. And so God looks to you and me and He says, I want you to keep your focus on one individual and one only. Christ. Keep your eyes on that which is yours, Jesus. Family, I want you to also notice our inspiration comes from Jesus. Notice of all of the, the things that they, he could have said to describe Jesus, he could have said, keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't. He could have said, lay your eyes on Christ Jesus, emphasizing his messianic position. Keep your eyes on the Son of God. Keep your eyes on the Son of Man, titles of his deity. He doesn't. He says, hey, keep your eyes on that guy that's just like you, Jesus. Keep, keep your eyes on the one who trusted his Father just like you're to trust the Heavenly Father. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And family, that focus changes our lives because Jesus struggled like us. We'll see that in a moment. So we're to focus our eyes on Jesus Christ as the spot that success in, in, in running this race can be obtained. Jesse Owens went to the 1936 Olympics uh, in Berlin. Those of you who know the story know Jesse Owens as an African-American. The goal was to be embarrassed by Nazi Germany. And this was Hitler's moment to make himself look good in the, in the German-Aryan race. And Jesse Owen is now the national long jump winner, having jumped more than 26 feet. A, a record that he would go on to keep for 25 years within Olympic sport. Lutz Long was the Aryan hope. Lutz Long did not care for the, the politics of Nazi Germany and actually sat and, and often talked with Jesse Owen. And Jesse Owen had already uh, established himself as the likely winner. And Lutz Long comes before him and says, Jesse, find a spot before the jump line to make sure that your foot is always in bounds so that you stay in front of the jump line, not negating your jump. Keep your eyes on the mark. And it was a lesson that Jesse had never thought about. So he found a mark, maintained the jump. We now know the end of the story. He won. And he went on to say, he says, all 
of his gold medals would be just mere plating to how much he thought of Let's long for caring enough about Him. You and I have one goal. Keep our eyes on that mark. That mark that will always allow us to jump with the success, the determination, and the endurance that allows us to succeed in our Christian lives. And that, that mark is Jesus. And family, understand as Jesus... Scripture tells us He was tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, Jesus lived the supreme life of faith. He trusted His Father implicitly for everything in every activity. He says, I can do nothing, John 5 says, on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. And so family, one of the reasons that we want to know God's Word is that it allows us to keep that focus where it needs to be. Jesus would say He would never do anything outside of what the bounds of Scripture tell Him as He was held accountable in the trial or the temptation of Matthew 4. He would never eat bread without having been given to Him by the Father. He would never go outside the bounds of God's will. He would never, he would never take authority that wasn't given to Him by the Father. It was He who knew no sin who became sin that we should become the righteousness of God. So family, it goes on to say that His success is our perfection. Jesus carried it through to completion. In His words, it is finished. We have all our faith needs. Now family, this is really, this is vitally important. In His words, we have all sufficiency. You're held accountable to be morally pure. But understand, moral purity will not allow you to finish the race that's set before you unless you know the consequences given to you through the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. He's the finisher. You're held accountable to be imitators of Christ. But a mere imitation of Christ will not get you to glory lest you trust the One who brings perfection, completion to your faith. And that is salvation as offered in and through and only the work of Jesus Christ. It is in Him we trust. And family, it's important that you and I grasp the incredible privilege of grace even when we we look down and say, wow, wait a second, that's way too gracious. You and I appreciate a story in Luke when the thief on the cross could look over and say, remember me when you get to paradise. And Jesus could say, wait, today you'll be with me. Today you'll be with me. Now, can you imagine that, that guy's life? Whatever it imagined, 
whatever bad you can think of. He did one thing good within a few hours of his death and we'll be able to talk with him. Grace. Family, grace is impacted even more so, I think, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 when it describes our struggles in life. It says that our lives will be judged wood, hay, and stubble, gold, silver, and precious stones. Right? You remember that, many of you. It closes this section and says this, and some, so as by fire. In other words, there's no gold, silver, precious stones on their own merit. There is no wood, hay, and stubble. It's gone. It's ash. It's done. But they will arrive there because of one reason. The grace given to them through their Lord Jesus Christ. You and I will go down south today and we'll see a lot of men and women who lost their homes. They lost absolutely everything. But they have one thing. We're alive. We're alive. And I haven't met one yet that was dissatisfied with just being alive. God forbid that we would ever enter heaven so ill-equipped. But family, I want you to know very clearly if someone gains entrance into heaven with nothing, they will be as thrilled as you. They will be as thrilled as you because they are there and they're there with their Savior Jesus Christ. So family, understand what an incredible privilege it is. Where last week we were encouraged to focus our disciplined life and, and remember who we are. Today we're remembering the wonderful privilege of who we are. We're believers. Given to us by salvation in Jesus Christ alone. Keep your eyes on Him. I want to suggest to you lastly, the focus of a winner's drive. Who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. As I told you before, I am convinced that at least part of this joy set before Him is us. So listen to John chapter 15, verse 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. I want you to have everything I have. I want you to be as joyful in life as I am. And the joy that He was set before Him, the idea that you and I would be in eternity forever with Him, giving glory to the Father as was His desire, will be our desire. And the joy that He knows that that will create for Him, He knows it will create that same joy as well. And He wants us to experience it. John chapter 17, verse 13, in His high priestly prayer, But I know I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. 
Family, the joy set before Him is something shared with those for whom He died as Savior, with whom He exists as High Priest, with whom He provides as mediator between God and man. He endured the joy. Now I want you to see the text of Scripture. He remembered that joy. And the cross became a secondary idea. How many times do you and I begin to focus on all of the terrible sufferings of the cross? We've even looked at it and examined it medically. We've looked at it in, it, in, in its horrible nature. We've, we've seen what it does to a human being and, and how it breaks a human being down. And you want to know something? Jesus never considered the cross because He considered the joy even more. He says the shame, all that that meant, the rejection of, of the Jewish nation, the trials, the rejection by the Roman government, consequently the rest of the world, all the embarrassment that it meant to, to be a, a victim of capital crime, or excuse me, of capital punishment. The, the embarrassment that that meant, he says, that wasn't anything, because against that was the joy. Knowing in fulfillment, you and I are going to be with Him in glory. Family, what a privilege it is this morning to be called his. What a privilege it is. Don't, don't malign and make little of that incredible privilege. Let the inspiration of this text be everything that it was designed to be. The joy overrode the rejection of the nation of Israel. It overrode all other ideas so that the stigma of shame that capital crime brought would be something that he embraced because the joy of seeing you and I eternally in heaven with him was a privilege. And honoring the Father corporately was his desire. In his book, Unbroken, Laura Hildebrandt writes again about Louis Zamperini. Louis Zamperini was an Olympian who now is captured and those of you who've read the story, Louis Zamperini was first in an in a airplane accident, lost in the Pacific Ocean. They were able to bring the raft out. He lives 57 days on that raft without food other than what he could capture underneath the boat. And one of them, you, you need to read as he was attacked by a shark. He grabbed the shark, killed it, and ate whatever parts he could to survive. He's captured by the Japanese, grossly mistreated, but all of a sudden they realize who they have gotten. And I want you to hear as he picks it up. He realized he had been kept alive because of his prominence as an Olympic runner. And it would make him an effective propaganda tool. And he understood that once he read one message for them, they'd ask him to read increasingly critical ones. And there would be no way out. The refusal meant returning to a wooden slab 
infested with bed bugs, starvation rations, and the endless beatings of a madman. Louis declined the offer. The Japanese broadcasters pressed, warned he'd be punished, and still he refused. Acceptance was not even an option for Louis. I had taken an oath as an officer. So family, you and I are running a race given to us by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He encourages us to be aware of that race and how significant it is because there are witnesses who have gone before us all around watching and aware that we are representing the King of Kings by our salvation. He wants us to put off anything that would hinder that race, both, or both things that are not sinful in and of themselves, as well as the sinful things that cling to us, so that in efficiency we can focus our eyes on Jesus Christ and win the race that He has already won for us. All we have to do is by faith cross the finish line in death. And as Louis Zamperini said, I had already taken an oath. I won't back down. You've already taken an oath. You've accepted the Savior. Not only for the marvelous gift that it is, but for the blessed consequences that it offers. And why? Would anyone diminish or turn back on such a privilege? Father, allow us to appreciate afresh all that Jesus Christ has done. Father, we live in a time where whining and complaining about life is a national habit. Father, we're not people of that nation. In fairness, we're people of a heavenly kingdom. We are people with a purpose that's unique to those who know salvation in Jesus Christ. Father, it's privileged to us to cross an eternal finish line that waits for us because of a Savior who is both the beginner, the author of, and the finisher of the faith that we, we live out. And dear God in heaven, may that alter who we are so that when men and women see us, they see men and women who are faithfully running a race, walking steadily to an eternity that waits for us in Jesus Christ. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of Community Bible Church. Follow us on Facebook to keep up to date with all our latest content. Thank you.